Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here. And of course, we will, we will get to the biggest day in Mets franchise history in a long time, August 28th, 2020. And of course, we got to do SummerSlam Fallout. And of course, we have to do Payback Preview because it's one week later. So we'll get to all that. But first, I got to welcome in the co-host of this show, the guy who made the list, and that is Joe Calabrese. Hey, Nick, what's up? You want to tell our listeners why I made the list? Yeah, so I mean, we, we want to apologize to all of you for not getting a, a show out earlier on this week. Uh, you know, Joe, I guess, just uh, he's too busy or he's, he's, he's too big time. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Maybe he's, uh, he's joining a, a faction or something of elitists in, uh, in wrestling. You got to call me uh, the, the heel for this show now. Now we have clear, you're the clear baby face and I'm the clear heel. Yeah, but I did apologize, and I was busy. So uh, Joe was hopefully. doing a lot of a lot of driving around, and to, to, yeah. you know, to quote the situation, he was in Secaucus, and uh, <laughs> and he just couldn't do yeah. his job. But we are we are back and better than ever. You know, we're about to get into football season coming up real soon. Unfortunately, Labor Day is already here. Ready? What what a quick summer, and what an even quicker baseball season, and. Just when it looked like the Mets were done, taking a turn for the worst, they were gonna. It looked like they were gonna be swept by, by the Yankees. Uh, their ownership was inept. What an embarrassing, embarrassing week. Then August twenty eighth comes, and you gotta thank three guys here. What a day! What a day it was. Thank you, Chad Green. Thank you, Aroldis Chapman, and thank you, Steve Cohen. First, you had the doubleheader in the, in the Bronx, the first game the Mets. They're the away team. Chad Green comes in. Alonzo, three-run home run. Dom Smith, home run. Jake Marisnik, home run. The Mets win it. Edwin Diaz, one, two, three, punching them out. And the Mets win the first game, doubleheader. Then, you get in the middle of the second game, you'll find out Steve Cohen has outbid everybody. He's outbid A-Rod and J-Lo. A-Rod and J-Lo put in a statement uh, about that. So he's in exclusive negotiation right now to, to buy the team. We've heard this before last December, so we'll see what actually happens there. And it's expected that the bid is less than the $2.6 billion he originally offered. And we don't know what the deal is with SNY, but it's definitely not going to be a five-year period before he takes over. And then, of course, to top it all off, Araldis Chapman coming in for the save. And Ahmed Rosario, baby. Walk-off home run. In the Bronx, in Yankee Stadium, the Mets Bombers win it. A sweep, taking care of business. What a day to be a Mets fan, August 28, 2020. A day that you'll never forget. A day you will be watching that Ultimate Classic on SNY. They'll be playing that for years to come. And it could be the day that saved the season and made the turnaround. And who knows what's going to happen from here. But an exciting day to be a Mets fan yesterday, Joe. 
And not an exciting day to be a Yankee fan because you're a Yankee fan and seven straight losses for the Yankees. Hard to believe. Uh, Chapman didn't look good. Aaron Boone, I, I think Yankee fans are getting a little frustrated with him now. He might start being in the hot seat because if he doesn't win a World Series by next year, he's definitely out. It's, it, was, uh, it was quite the day in New York sports on August 28th, Joe. You covered a lot. Uh, yeah, I feel like after the last few days, I kind of deserve that rant right in my face to start the show. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to Yankees, the Yankees universe, we are a little, uh, we're a little nervous. Seven straight losses. You got a bunch of guys out hurt again. Uh, we found out earlier today that Aaron Judge may not nece- may not be coming back to the Yankees until the end of September, and that's when the season's over. Right, so he may be back four or five games before the end of the season. Glaber, Glaber's uh, out six weeks. The season's over in five. Glaber's oh, he's out too. Uh, Stanton's been out. You you mentioned with Chapman yesterday in the bullpen. Uh, Chad Green wasn't that much better. Uh, the Yankee starters really really hurting, which dumbfounds me because I think the last few weeks we've seen Aaron Boone have a quick hook. We've seen Tanaka come out before seventy total pitches a couple of times. We saw Jordan Montgomery come out yesterday. And I got I got to give a PSA here. Pitches. I got to give a PSA to our listeners. And I've been saying this since the offseason. Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. None of this Garrett Cole nonsense. He wasn't even the best pitcher on his team last year. He didn't win the Cy Young. He's coming to the Bronx and the bombs, the balls are flying out of the ballpark for Garrett Cole here. And he got, he, lose, he had to lose his first game, but he's giving up the long ball. Jacob DeGrom, the other, side, the other hand, side DeGrom. I mean, this guy is ridiculous. Another great start. He punches out 14 this week, Joe, and he gets a no decision. But the Mets still, gets- <laughs> still win it because of Miles Conforto with the big home run. Yeah. Hey, listen, DeGrom is the best pitcher, and this is coming from somebody who has Gary Cole on their team. Uh, yes, Gary Cole had a pretty ridiculous historic stretch uh, from May of last year into the, the World Series, and then he was pretty good his first couple of starts of this year. Yes, he's given up a couple long balls. Uh, yes, he's a very he's a true ace. Yes, he's a top five starting pitcher. But uh, as of now and over the past three years or four years, uh, Jacob DeGrom has definitely been the best pitcher in baseball. So I will agree with you there. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Trevor Bauer is probably going to win the Cy Young. His numbers are good, but, you know, the season is still Don't still, discredit still his coming, teammate. So. Sonny Gray may also – be throwing his name into the the Cy Young talk as well. And I also heard a report out uh, this week about a day or two ago that says that the Reds, uh, if they are in it, which, I mean, again, we're playing 60 games here, so everybody theoretically believes they could be in it or not. Uh, The Reds, if they are in it, which, again, they may be going for it, which means that they may be the one or two teams who are going to be the most active uh, if there are any trades that are happening once the trade deadline comes around, and again, that's coming yeah. up real soon. So, do you think? We'll, do you think that, that some voters might just not vote for Degrom just because they're like, "Well, he won the last two years. Let's give it to somebody else." Uh, like, what do you, what do you think the voters will be thinking? It's so tough. It's so tough this year to, to determine awards. So it's going to be really yeah. interesting. I. Uh, what I will say, though, is you, you bring up a good point because we've seen this before, uh, most notably with a guy like Mike Trout. You know, sometimes it's just hard to vote for, you know, because at that point, are you voting for the most valuable player or the most outstanding player year to year, 
right? And I think in some cases, it could obviously be both in the same year. But in some cases, right, we know Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. But the Angels, over the course of the last four or five years, since their own their only playoff appearance with Trout, uh, they haven't been great, right? And they are 11-22 and 22 as, as of this point this year. You can't justify... I think giving Trout. I mean, he also missed a few games this year games for paternity leave, right. but right, he went on paternity leave at the start of the season. So I think you might see something similar. I think depending on how the Mets finish. Now, if the Mets make the playoffs, and again, it's eight teams. As of as of right now, in they're in. League. As of right, right as right of right now, now, they're in. And as of right now, most voters will be like, okay, the Mets are in. Degrom is still the best. We're gonna vote for the Cy Young, right? But. Let's say the Reds take off, right? And let's say they end up winning the NL Central and they finish with one of the two two or three best records in the National League. Then it makes a more compelling case for a guy like Trevor Bauer or a guy like Sonny Gray, who's also uh, got a uh, almost a sub two ERA on that that same team, right? So, uh, I mean, it is going to be interesting because I think a lot of the voters are going to be faced with the decision: Are we going to just vote for the most outstanding player over sixty games, or? How are we going to determine value in a 60-game well, who, sample? Who's the most valuable player in the NL? Um, it, I think it's DeGrom. How bad would this team... I mean, I would say he doesn't get he doesn't get decisions, but they'd be so much worse without him. And who's the best team in the NL? It's obviously the Dodgers. Who is the right. one team the Dodgers don't want to play in the po- in a postseason in a short series? Nice. The Mets. Nice. They don't want to face DeGrom. They do not want to face DeGrom. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to say... I and mean, we'll monitor that, and I'm excited for that. But you know, you, you gotta you gotta wonder. You got, you gotta say, you know, watch out for the Blue Jays, Joe. They're gonna they're they're gonna they're coming for second place. But you know what? Now Passon came out and he said that they're gonna do hub cities. They're gonna use Arlington and Houston and Arizona and Los Angeles for the playoffs. So ultimately, the difference between a two and a, between finishing second in your division and getting one of those wild cards is nothing because they they play they play each other. And it's in, there's no home field advantage. So ultimately, I think that's the Yankees' mindset that it should be, which is let's just get in. We're not going to catch the Rays. The Rays are by far the best team in the AL, uh, and we'll just take it from there. And I think I think that's an okay approach at this point. Yes, and I want one last point. Uh, and again, I, I keep hating to talk about the, the Mets in such a positive light, but uh, from what it from what I'm seeing, it seems like. And again, you're a National League guy. You're a traditionalist. Anybody I know who roots for the Mets or roots for an NL team, they they have never been a fan of the designated hitter. Again, they love that old-school traditional strategy uh, portion when it comes to the game of baseball. But undoubtedly, and this is, again, just using my eyes, eye test, I think the Mets have absolutely benefited from the DH. Oh, because Cano. you're seeing like Robinson Cano having a terrific season Tom so Smith. far. Dom Smith has been awesome, and it seems like he's finally been able to stick somewhere. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing outfield, and he's been very good with his bat. Uh, and those guys have been yeah. carrying guys like Pete Alonso, who uh, I think he's hitting like 220 or something. And he's still, and he's again, still got, a, he's still, he's still among the team leaders in home runs and RBIs, though. And that's like right. we, we had Tim Kirchner on, and I heard him on with Scott Van Pelt last night. Uh, and he was saying when we were ta- talking, he's like, it's really the game's become, you know, just it's like a you, you know, home run. Or, or So maybe you influenced him, Joe, because he was talking about it's not as fun to see. So, that, I mean, that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, the Mets are better than the DH. And now I could also see what the excuse is going to be for Yankee fans uh, come this offseason about Jacob DeGrom when he wins the Cy Young. 
when they say, oh, well, he's not as good as Garrett Cole because, uh, you know, he doesn't have to face the DH. And the, the AL is so much better than DH. I always hate hearing that nonsense. It's so, it's but so, also, it's so ridiculous. Also the, extra, the extra bat has allowed them to, to get that extra bat in the lineup. Absolutely. And, and they've been able to shift around guys like J.D. Davis and, and you still have McNeil's back, right? Nimmo's in the outfield. Conforto's in the outfield. Right. Smith's in the outfield. And don't forget right? the reason why they won opening day. They're DH. You aren't a Cespedes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, even – listen, Cespedes has left the team. And offensively, they haven't skipped a beat with him without him in the lineup. That's true. And that is, I think, the benefits of the DH. And, and you're seeing a lot of NL teams benef- benefit from that. Teams like the Rockies, too. The Padres, too. All these guys, Dodgers, all these teams the have been scoring. A, they've been scoring a lot of runs, and and the National League is traditionally the league right. where you're not seeing nearly as many runs because it's a combination of not having that extra bat. And then I think over the last ten years or so, the best pitchers in the the the, the baseball entirely have been in the National League. Yeah, Scherzer, and you got Kershaw, right. Degrom. So Degrom's been Degrom's been Degrom's been shutting everybody down. So is Bauer. And I got to ask you, Joe, how good is it going to be next year when the Mets have both of those guys in their rotation? Because Steve Cohen, he's coming. He's going to be the owner, or we, we think. And this guy is going to be spending money like crazy because all the other owners right now are losing money. They're not going to want to spend next season. Mookie Betts made a bad mistake because he would have got so much money from Steve Cohen. Power is going to be here. The final year, they're going to get Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado. Maybe they'll get both. I mean, this is going to be ridiculous for the Mets here. Spending all this money. They got a great young core. The only thing that you got to be concerned about right now is Brody Van Wagenen knows if he doesn't win the World Series, he's probably out along Rojas. So if he mortgages the future, getting ready to some high-level prospects at this deadline, that could be dangerous and hurt the team moving forward. But with Steve Cohen, the hope is he's going to spend that money. Well, I, uh, I've i mentioned this on a previous podcast. Uh, I... I watch Billions, which is a phenomenal show. I know you really don't. But, again, this was a storyline in Billions where they had billionaires lining up to buy the Mets. And in this case, was life imitating art, not art imitating life. And uh, we've also discussed this on previous podcasts. It would have been amazing to see an ownership group led by A-Rod and J-Lo actually buying the Mets because the the brand would have definitely – it would have been a a, very, a a much more vibrant kind of energy with the the, the team now, and and obviously A Rod's kind of like that that passionate baseball uh, former player who who wants to get involved in this and 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 do some good after you know he left the game as a player. But I think you hit you guys hit the jackpot. I mean, Steve Cohen, lifelong Mets fan, has obscene amounts of money. Uh, you're getting rid of the, the Will Ponds in time. Now Now it's official. Now with that bid in, and again, we don't know what the bid is. The original bid was $2.6 billion. could be $1.5 billion. It could be closer to $2 billion. That's what I think ultimately it's going to fall into. But absolutely, money is not a problem. It is not an issue with this team anymore. And they were already... They were decent spenders with the Will Ponds. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially Mets fans, just no. They always had a top ten payroll, but everyone right. wanted them to have like a top three payroll. Right. But now they're getting now they're going to get not not a top three payroll. You're you're gonna, you guys might have the like the highest payroll in time. Uh, so yeah, the Mets the Mets absolutely hit the jackpot here. It's it's a it's a, a home run and yeah, pun intended. It's 
It, yeah, it's I mean, one think, of those think about things. this. You got an outfield of maybe Nimmo, uh, Conforto, and Chris Bryant. You got an infield of Nolan Arenado, uh, Emmett Rosario, Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo. JT Realmuto is going to be the Mets catcher. Uh, you got all these guys at DH. You got Trevor <laughs> Bauer and, and Jacob DeGrom pitching. I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty solid right there. Uh, and we'll just see. We'll see if this go, deal goes through because this happened last December and it didn't end up happening. So we could see that it, it flowing apart again. Like I definitely see that. Uh, I'm interested to see though whether it's Cohen or anybody else. Like who are they? What direction are they going with with general manager? Maybe they give Brody another year. Uh, but as you always say, you know, look at Derek Jeter. They always want a clean house, bring in their own guys. And I, I feel like Cohen might be like, let's get an old school manager in here, you know, like like Buck Showalter or something like that. So that's that's something to really to really keep an eye on. Uh, but I think you know Brody and Rojas are on the hot seat right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Brody, especially after that incident earlier in the week, uh, I think it's one of those situations where I don't think he's done a bad job. I don't think he's done a good job. Uh, I do think some of the players like him, but again, he's not a good guy. He's not very... a bad guy. He is the guy. He's, he's... the Mets. He's the GM. <laughs> we're we're going to get into a, a not a good guy, not a bad guy in a little bit. But yeah, I think Brody Overall, has... Brody is a good Brody's a good guy. I think people, play, the players like him. They respect him. He just made some questionable questionable signings and trades. Right. I think I think he's he's in a spot where you don't fire him yet. You kind of write it out. Give it one more year. I, I usually think it takes between two and three years before you have a good barometer of what somebody can be. And now, now especially with the, the Cohen news hanging over the franchise and knowing that they're going to get an influx of cash into the into their payroll in the coming years, uh, the last thing you ever want to do is really like kind of – unless you're, you're really, really looking to start to clean house – fully and fresh, which I don't think the Mets are willing to do. I think the Mets feel like they're probably three quarters. There. I, in this, in this case, I would hold on to him again, because the players like him, it seems like they like him. Uh, and it seems like they were on the same page a couple nights ago when they, him and the Marlins decided not to take the field, which I thought was a nice little gesture. Uh, it seems like they are a very tight knit group. It seems like they're all, uh, they all like each other. They like Brody. Give him another year. Yes, has have some of his moves worked? Yeah, have some of his moves not worked? That's correct, too. But give him, a, give him one more year. I think it's the key thing here is no matter what, the Mets need to keep Omar Minaya because he's doing a great job since coming back, developing this talent, scouting, and he's, he's great at that. I don't think there's anybody better than him in, in the game at finding young talent. No, he's been doing this for... The better part of what twenty years now, almost twenty five years. Yeah. He's been one of the when he when you give him the free reign to do what he's capable of, he is one of the the best in baseball. And I never understood. I mean, I, I can understand sometimes you maybe you need a, just a, a different a different voice in the room or a fresh voice in the room. I just I never I never understood why they they went to to lengths to to get rid of him and then bring him back. But whatever, he's back. He's done a really great job. He's found a lot of good talent. Uh, this team has a lot of uh, a lot of the secondary type of talent that you need in order to compete and win a championship. They do have, and you could attribute that to him. 
Certainly. And you look at that 2015 team, almost everybody was drafted or signed by Omar Minaya. And you know, he, was, he, he did a good job, especially when you look back now, looking um, a few years later. So the Mets, exciting stuff. The Yankees, you know, not exciting, not stuff. exciting stuff, but they're, right they're, they're a little worried, but, you know, they're going to be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to catch the Rays. The Rays are really good. I mean, we've discussed that on our show. Really I think and the Rays are going to the World Series. I mean, this is this is the Rays year. And the Rays, I told you, the Rays and the Padres in the World Series. It's going to be great. <laughs> Padres, pa, the Slam Diego Padres have been great as well. Uh, you know, you, you can't count out anybody in the, in the NL East. You can, you can never count out Joe Girardi. So it's going to no, be interesting those, to see here. The those, trade deadline. Those teams, are, yeah, those teams are built for the playoffs. Trade deadline is Monday. I mean, it's going to, I think there's going to be no, I think there's really going to end up being no deals made because everybody's in it and no one's going to be selling. Except the Red Sox. Except the Red Sox. <laughs> amen. Amen to that. Yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna be looking to to maybe save some money. But what we want to do is we want to let you all make some money. So let's look at WWE Payback. Got to look at some odds, Joe. And you know, there's one match. I don't see any odds right now. It was it was, it was recently announced. That is Big E versus Sheamus. Big E's big single push, and he's finally having, I think, his first singles match. Uh, he's been in, yeah. he's been in all these tag team <laughs> matches, uh, and I I think he'll, he'll win this match. We saw that tag against you know Miz and Morrison and Sheamus, and he was heavy machinery. John Morrison is. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. Crushing the Miz's career right now. The Miz was like, he was, he was all-time high, uh, big face, fans liked him, Miz TV, and now he's just a, a comedy act with John Morrison, who is just not, not good. Not good for the Miz, Joe. Well, I mean, I, I've mentioned this previously. I, I think he's at the stage of his life where he's got two daughters. Uh, I, I imagine he's doing a lot of media stuff. Again, he hosts Cannonball. You know, which we can watch on the uh, USA Network, and he's doing Miz and Misses for the last couple of years. He he seems like he has one foot out the door, but he doesn't really have any intention of leaving. He's still kind of doing that that teetering act that a lot of guys do before they decide to to move on elsewhere. And uh, in what we see right now, I believe that. With Morrison coming back, they probably wanted to work together, at least in some capacity, for a little while before he really moved on to that next phase of his career. Now, I agree with you. I think he's still WWE champion material. I think if they were to push him, 
he would obviously fit right into whatever they're doing. Uh, but I don't know if, if that's in the cards for him right now, necessarily. Well, there's, so, an, there's another potential angle that he might be involved in right now. And, it you know, is true. Payback. Another word for payback may be retribution. Retribution? Uh-huh. Nice so play on words some there. Some people are saying maybe The Miz is leading retribution because he was very late to the ring on SmackDown. But they didn't really address that. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, well, they, I don't know. They, they made it a point to put the camera on him. Right. But they've made they have not made it a point to mention it on the broadcast or in any of the shows like Talking Smack following, which leads me to believe that it's it's definitely a hint. They want you to think it's Miz or they want you to think he's involved. Now, do they want you to think that because he's going to be revealed as leader and they're going to make it into a big angle? Or is he going to be used as a patsy who people, oh, they're blaming the Miz and he right. doesn't end up being the leader. And that gives him reason to, to maybe work with them in right. the future. What I will say is if he is the leader, he needs to become the world champ. I mean, with, right. With, I, but, I agree with but you. But, you know, people are giving Miz a hard time saying, oh, this angle's dead if the Miz is the leader. That's so wrong. Every time the Miz leads a group, every person gets so over. Alex Riley, I, Damian Sandow. Axel, Bo Dallas. I mean, there's no doubt about it that the, he'd get the people over that are in retribution. I, Dominic Dijakovic yeah. is someone who is pretty much con- confirmed that's going to be in the group. I think he'd be the big guy to get the push. But you know, obviously, they don't really know who's going to be in retribution because it's different people each week. It's different amount of people each week. It's boys. Right. It's girls. So I, I don't think they really know where they're going with this yet. I think they're just going to continue attacking. Yeah. And I, what I will say here is to, to end this, uh, to me, if it's just a group of NXT superstars, I don't know if it works. I don't know if the fans are really, really going to truly buy into it. Why are they getting right. retribution on? But I think if it's them with two or three people or having just one leader and one of those leaders being The Miz or, or one of those leaders being somebody else or somebody you know big, then I think the angle has some juice. And I think it legitimizes it. But if it's just a group of NXT stars, we've seen this. We've seen this before. I don't know if it's really going to have an impact, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he's involved in this. So, what do you, you uh, think? You think? I think Retribution's got to play some sort of factor in this pay per view. I I believe they. We didn't will. see them on SummerSlam, which I thought was a little bizarre. Yeah, they weren't on SummerSlam, which is interesting. They weren't on Raw. They weren't on SmackDown either. Yeah. So, I mean, there are two big matches that they can interfere in. Uh, I'm thinking they so, might be at All Out next Saturday, September 5th. <laughs> That's going to be fun. They're going yeah. to be in the Orange Juice Champagne match with yes. uh, Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Jericho and Orange Cassidy, yep. Uh, uh, but AEW actually had live fans back, which I thought was great. It was great. They had a really – yeah. Really good show this week, and and having the fans back there, and and having the fans sing Chris Jericho's theme song, which was which was good. Uh, yeah, I mean the fans, they definitely do make a difference, and and they they it's insane to me that they got fans back, or they decided to put fans back, or they were able to have fans back before the WWE. Now I think the Thunder the Thunderdome is a pretty solid idea. I think it's been really well executed. Well, you gotta, you gotta remember, they, to they, me. They, yeah. They own the stadium that they're broadcasting in, and it's outdoors. So, right. yep. you know, that's, that, that's why AEW can really 
Yeah, no, it's true. It's a, it's a it's a huge leg up. WWE has the Performance Center, which again is not really conducive to having fans in. It's yes, you can have the the, the, the Performance Center trainees in there, and yes, you could have talent around. And and while it's nice that they make some noise, obviously there's there's limitations to to how you feel about watching WWE talent and masks, you know, standing around the ring and reacting. At least with the Thunderdome, even if some of the sound is delayed and even if some of it looks a little maybe too much like you know a lot of too much too many screens or or too much noise in the background at least you are getting that noise and at least it's noise right. coming from the fans except when Sami Zayn returned there was no noise <laughs> and you know if he returned in front of fans that people would have been singing it would have been a big deal so it would have been a big deal yeah you know, we'll but- see what happens there Nothing's announced for the Intercontinental title for for payback but now Sami Zayn's coming back claiming he's the champ you got Jeff Hardy, who is the champ. AJ Styles was the champ. They're all still involved. And the guy who would have been the champ had he not been run over by a car by Sheamus, Elias, hopefully he comes Elias. back and becomes the champ. But I don't know when Elias is coming back. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, United States Championship match, Apollo Crews taking on Bobby Lashley. And unfortunately, Apollo Crews is... Reign's going to come to an end here. Bobby Lashley will win the United States Championship. And he's, he is yes. the favorite as well. He is the betting favorite. He is the minus 250 betting favorite. Uh, I think this this angle, uh, you, you've you been kind of hitting the nail on the head here. They, they've been feuding with MVP a uh, little too much. Now you have Lashley coming in. Lashley is the perfect guy to take the title off Apollo. Uh, Apollo has had a really nice run. I think he's built himself up again really nicely. Uh, he was at that point where he was probably in danger of being demoted maybe back to NXT or maybe WWE would have moved on from him as a talent in general. But I think over the last four or five months since WrestleMania, he's done a very, very nice job in reviving his career. Uh, he's had a really solid U.S. title run. He's cut some good promos yeah. on Raw. He's, he's again, someone is, who would have benefited from originally being NXT champion because no, everyone thought he was that, on that 100%. path. And maybe he, totally you know, if, if he that. goes back down, I would make him the champ. But the NXT championship match, Fatal 4A Iron Man match, you know everybody's going to get at least one pinfall. Somebody's going to win with two. Right. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I hope Pat McAfee comes out and costs Adam Cole uh, the match. And I think either Gargano or Ciampa need to be, become the champion. Yeah, I I think this is a quick tangent, but I think that over the course of NXT's run, I think Finn Balor, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and Adam Cole, for better or worse, I know you're not really a huge Cole guy, uh, I think that they're three of the greatest NXT champions of all time, and although Johnny had one of the best wins, he didn't really have so much the best run, and I think from a logistics standpoint, Johnny probably needs to win this match the most because I think it would vault him into that status with the other three. Uh, so I think Johnny will win or Finn. But that's it's it's if Finn decides to stay and we have a draft coming up, I believe, next month or into October. So depending on how they want to reshuffle, that's how I, is going, I'm going to make my determination to pick to, to who's going to win the match. But as of now, I'm going to say Johnny, and I'm going to say Candice helps him out. So. Um, All right, but yeah, right. so let's 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 get back to payback it. here. Yeah. Uh, the other match, the women's tag team match, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler taking on Bailey and Sasha. I don't know, Joe. It's it's going to be interesting to see 
if Spaley and Sasha win and they're not favored to win, who's actually taking the pinfall? Um, you know, we all thought that we're going to lead to a Nia versus Shayna match. We did discuss last week how neither of them are really natural faces, so it'd be tough. Uh, so I, I don't know which way this match is going to go. I am unfortunately going to lean more towards saying Nia and Shayna are going to win this match. Um, but of course, you know, if Bailey and Sasha win, that could it could be because Nia and Shayna didn't get along, and you know that that's obviously an option there. But this is the match where I don't know which way it's going to go. I think Bailey and Sasha will win. Uh, I'm going to go against the betting odds here, which say that Nia and Shayna are minus 150 favorites to win. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because. While I do think they are now officially starting the the storyline trend to Bailey and Sasha Banks breaking up as a tag team, I don't know if this is the time to do it. I'd be a little I too do, early. I think it's gonna I think it's a little too early. And I think the I mean, I don't know if their plan for the next four months or five months is gonna have be Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler teaming together. And if if it's up to me you could easily have them like team now and then very, very quickly butt heads with each other and then have them feud that way. Uh, I don't know if they're going with the Sheamus and Cesaro route here where they, they ended up fighting and then now they're going to end up like, just staying as a team together right. for, for years at yeah, a time. That was the best of seven series. But I think it's just eight months to get to WrestleMania is a lot to continue this Bailey and Sasha thing to give them a WrestleMania match. I think, I do think it's going to happen. Uh, but again, I, I just I can't see them taking the titles off them here. Uh, if they do, it's interesting because that means that they're really going to start to jumpstart the whole breakup thing and maybe Survivor Series. Yeah, but again, I'm gonna I I, I just can't see Nia and Shayna is is too much thrown together too soon. There are better options out there, you know, tag team wise. They could have did maybe live and Ruby. Then now that they're together again, Ugh. or they could have they could have either easily put the titles back on the Iconics. I don't know. Nia and Shayna seems just so thrown together. I don't know if it's gonna How work. How about Lana and Natalia? Lana and Natalia would be fine too. Okay, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on that. Now this match, you got Keith Lee who had a very embarrassing Raw debut, taking on Randy Orton, and I think, I mean, I know you're gonna. These guys are both even right now, but I think Randy Orton is unfortunately going to win this match. And I, I'm confused because I thought, I thought Randy was having a rematch with Drew McIntyre, but I guess Drew's just not having a match. Well, they did the angle where Randy kept attacking Drew on Monday. Uh, here's what I think is going to happen. I do think Keith Lee is going to win. Thanks to Drew McIntyre. (laughs) Thanks to Drew McIntyre. What a a terrible start for your career. Then you get, you, you get saved two weeks in a row. Not good for Keith Lee on the main roster. Well, they are they very, very high on him. I don't know if that's necessarily the best decision that they can make, but what I will say is having Drew help you out may entice the, the screens and the, the, the fans who are watching in the Thunderdome to pop, right? Ugh. So it's all about the pop. Uh, but you're right. They are both minus 120 betting favorites. Uh, I'm going to lean Keith Lee. Because I think this is his first match officially on the main roster. They're clearly, clearly pushing him to the moon. They're giving him the rocket ship. And to me, there's no point in him having the debut that he did and coming back and losing this match here. If he loses this match here, I wouldn't say he's dead on arrival. 
but it's just not a great look. So certainly will be your winner. And that what could be a, a universal championship triple threat as long as you know we the way SmackDown ended, we got to see what the new Paul Heyman guy Roman Reigns demands were. He said he wouldn't sign until the, uh, his demands were made. So we'll see if anything else changes there. But Roman Reigns, who I think is toast now that he's with Paul Heyman, ask Curtis Axel, ask CM Punk, ask Ryback, ask Cesaro how good it was to be associated with Paul Heyman. Did not do well for them in their careers. Uh, you got Braun Strowman, who's going to get the pin. He's going to get pinned in this match, which is terrible for him. He's done. And the fiend, Bray Wyatt. Right now, Bray Wyatt is favored, but I think Roman Reigns is pinning Braun Strowman in this match. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So uh, the fiend is the minus 300 betting favor, which I think is entirely too high, especially after what we saw at SummerSlam. Uh, Roman Reigns is the next best choice on the board at plus 150, and then Braun Strowman is plus 500. So Strowman is definitely the guy who's not winning this match. And I do believe he's going to be the guy who takes the pinfall, right? So that leaves us with Bray Wyatt, and that leaves us with Roman Reigns. Now, ultimately what I see happening is when draft season rolls around, I think there's a very high chance that both the world champions get swapped in the draft because they're going to need two marquee names to be involved in it, and they need two guys who have equal value to the company switching over to make it legitimate, right? So, with that said, with Roman Reigns' new character change, he's a Paul Heyman guy, and you are right. Most people who work with Paul Heyman who are not named Brock Lesnar seem to flounder, although I disagree with CM Punk a little bit. I think that was fine. Yeah, but I think he ended up dropping the title because, because he, was, and he lost to Lesnar. Okay, and that's why. First of all, if the, if the champions switch brands, I don't know how they're making the universal championship red. I don't know how it's going to be done. Bray Wyatt works some red magic, and now you got to wonder, you know, how long is it going to be until we see Brock Lesnar coming back to take on Roman Reigns again? And of course, then they're going to try to make you feel bad for Roman because Heyman's going to associate with Lesnar. He's going to help Lesnar out. I don't think they're going to go with Reigns versus Brock again. So, then, See, so, think, you're, so you're thinking Brock's not coming back then? I think he is going to come back, but I think he has other fish to fry. Namely, I think if Brock comes back, he's going to have matches with guys like Keith Lee yeah, and Bobby Yeah, but he's going to be without Paul Roman Heyman? Reigns. How do they explain that? I think Heyman's going to be managing them both. Oh, then all of a sudden Lesnar and Reigns are buddy-buddy? They're going to win the tag team championships? That's exactly what's going to I wouldn't say that. Cause then, I don't of think course, they're going to they're gonna end up fighting again. There's no way that if Reigns is with Paul Heyman that him and Lesnar don't fight again at some point. They will. Okay, well, let's, let's say that they do fight again at some point. But I think in the immediate time that Heyman now is working with Reigns, I don't think they're going to have a feud with each other. I don't think it's not going to come back until whether it comes first, there's an audience or there's a Saudi Arabia show. Right. Cause he wants, he wants that, that money. Uh, so and I also let that forget Goldberg. He's contractually obligated for two matches per year here to use them for this year. But 2021, we're getting Goldberg versus Reigns. It's happening. Well, in that case, then they're going to have to bring Goldberg back to raw in order to make that happen, which I don't think is a terrible idea in itself, but, so I read a report online, again, online reports, right? But from what I read, it seemed like Brock wanted Keith Lee on Raw because he eventually wanted to work with him. Now, I don't know how legitimate that was. I don't know if you believe it so or you not. you think he was impressed by him in the Royal Rumble? I think he was, and I think Brock— I think it would be great if Brock wins the Royal Rumble this year. 
or next year I in think, January. I think Brock has officially reached the stage of his career where I know where he probably feels like he doesn't need the championship anymore because he also handpicked McIntyre and he's handpicked a lot of the guys like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. Samoa and Joe Finn Balor. Again. Yeah, he does. But again, Lesnar has been the, the focal point of all these, these feuds and he's basically handpicked mostly all of his opponents since he came back. Now, granted now he's, he's fought a lot of the guys who are currently active on the roster, but He's always had a hand in choosing what he wants. And we saw it a couple years ago at Survivor Series when Jinder Mahal was champion. Brock was like, no, 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 no. And then they put AJ Styles in the match instead. And the match ended up being really, really good. So Lesnar has some sense of... We should have saw Jinder versus Lesnar. We were robbed. So uh, Lesnar has an idea of who's going to be big, what kind of feuds he wants. And again, there's a reason why Keith Lee's on Raw. It's because they're investing a lot in him and... Uh, I do think that it makes sense. Now we we got really really ahead of this, so we're let's let's take it back to the universal title match, right? Uh, in this case, uh, I know a lot of people are going to be upset that the Fiend is going to be a transitional champion, but he doesn't need the championship. He's purely a character. He's a plot device. He's there to change or to change the character of whoever he's in the ring with, right? So, all kidding aside. I'm okay with him being a transitional champion because it seems to me that they have a plan for Roman Reigns, which is to make him a Paul Heyman guy, to change up his character a little bit. Instead of being this the, the face that they wanted to make him for years and years and years, it seems like he's going tweener. It seems like he's going heel a little bit. And because of that, he's going to have some guys to face, whether he stays on SmackDown, whether he goes to Raw in the draft and he flips with McIntyre. A lot of guys on Raw, like Kevin Owens... Like Keith Lee, that might be your WrestleMania main event, Roman Reigns versus Keith Lee. To me, it opens up a lot of possibilities, which is why I'm excited about it, which is why I think Reigns is going to win the Universal Championship match. I just think it makes all the sense in the world, and it seems like they're fully invested in doing different things with Roman Reigns for once, which I'm, I'm personally on board with. Now, will it work with Heyman? You bring up good points. It may not work with him, but I do like that they're trying something different. And I think the promo that he cut on SmackDown to end the show yesterday when he was saying, that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler, that was a really great line. It's the best that I think we've seen Reigns look in a really long time. He seems to be totally into it. I'm all for it. You know, I, I can't wait. I think the match itself on Sunday is going to be great, too. Yeah, I think, I think Reigns' best line is still, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad I'm guy. A I'm a big guy. guy. That's the attitude he should embrace, um, you know, People are saying that we turned heel. How, how did he turn heel? Because he was with Paul Heyman. Uh, you know, WWE has not gonna, done a good job as of late of turning people face or heel. Uh, you know, The Miz, they did it multiple times. It, it was terrible, the, the face and heel turn. Same with Ryback. They, they, they really lack these big, these big moments. And uh, I think that's, that's unfortunate. But that's going to do it for a jam-packed episode 33, the Matt Harvey episode of You Know I'm Right. We talked about the Mets, the Yankees, Steve Cohen, SummerSlam, WWE, AEW, and Payback. So, for my co-host, Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. We're
Where's my order? Does anyone know how to find my order? How can I find my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom, the customer support platform that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more.